Welcome for Outlander Season 1, Episode 6, The Garrison Commander. I'm Don Bitters. And I'm Nick Stone. And this is Gaelic Guys, an Outlander podcast where we watch Outlander, drink scotch, and let you know our terribly uninformed opinions about both. This week we have a special guest, Meredith Lynn, our editor extraordinaire and an Outlander aficionado. Hi everyone. So this week, uh, we kind of is picking up where we left off last week with the the stunning cliffhanger of will Claire go with the Scots or with the English? Dun dun dun! Which is quickly resolved as she's pretty much like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, which I mean, you could kind of project because it's called Outlander, not briefly Scottish, and then a totally English time travel show. Basically, she agrees to go with the English as she would because the circumstances in the other direction would probably not be as favorable, which turns Dougal into an Outlander himself. What? Now Dougal feels out of place in Scotland? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so as Dougal and Claire are brought to a is it a a town or is it like a fort that is it's a it's a fort in Scotland that is being currently occupied by the Redcoats and something that I find interesting that Claire had said as she was coming upon this fort uh, that she felt like she was more comfortable among her people, which is basically trading the Redcoats for the Tommies because she was a nurse, obviously, during World War II, which was the Tommies are what then were referred to as the common soldiers of World War II. Clearly, Claire is British through and through, and there's an mm. element of comfort there, even if these people are from several hundred years ago. You know, there's some very British things, such as an incredible level of condescension, uh, which we find out in the next immediate Which we also find out that that, that's pretty much how they treat everyone. Right, yeah. That's a totally normal way (laughs) for British people in the 18th century (laughs) to act is condescending. As we enter into the fort and Claire enters into the longest like dinner scene that you will ever experience in any show. (laughs) Right. She's introduced to the Dearson commander, uh, who is like the nice British officer. He's like the exact opposite of Jack Black Randall, mm. who is like, he's like, oh no, you're here, great, great to meet you. You want some food, want some drink? Yeah, we're best friends now, right? Right, he's pretty clearly some kind of dandy dilettante military man. Who, mm. You know, he's not a, a soldier through and through. He's yeah. a, sort of a noble guy who's he, stuck which, in this situation. Which I ended up liking him by the end. And I've seen all the series and I've re- read pretty much all the books and I don't really remember him coming back but by the end of the episode I really liked him and I wanted it more of him just because of the way that he was able to command the room without really saying exactly what he wanted and let's be honest these men have not seen a woman in a long time so they are spending a lot of attention on Claire which they have said specifically an English woman Yes, yes, a very English pleasant-looking woman, as they said. Um, well, I did, I did also love the fact that he he had his own like comedic relief in like his lieutenant like mansplain, who had to like try to explain all the Scottish to him. I want you to confirm, Don, that it says lieutenant mansplain on my notes as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is agreed it, upon. This is this is a kind of comedic scene playing off of uh, Lord Thomas's both good nature and his sort of haughty 
noble oh, yeah. condescension. I, I actually, so he's likable and not likable. I did actually write on here. It's getting haughty in hair. Uh, so we enter into kind of what is the most like proper English montage ever of them eating. Uh, like for a period of time, it's like, you know, we're seeing like, oh, look at all these these happy British polite people. Oh, and everything. Whoa. The overall theme that I was looking at with this episode that it felt a lot like a, um, a psychological warfare. It felt a lot like it was a game of power play that even from the very beginning when she walked into this room with uh, Lord Thomas, the garrison commander, along Lumiere. with all of right Lumiere, <laughs> along with all of his his crew, all of his uh, his soldiers that no, I think crew is the, the official <laughs> the crew is the right word. <laughs> So it was even when they, uh, Lord Thomas was making fun of Dougal's accent, then Claire would speak up and saying the accent is, you know, similar to maybe Newcastle, whose accent is also equally unintelligible, showing that she had control over there. She was the woman to be listened to. Well, I, th- I thought that was really interesting, too, because, you know, of course, Lord Thomas makes makes a lot of fun of Dougal's accent at the beginning when Dougal is actually trying to be very pleasant. But as soon as Dougal speaks up and it says, well, if you pleasant, want to hear. As pleasant as Dougal is capable. As pleasant as he's yes. capable of, but he's trying to play within the rules. But as soon as he turns around and says, well, if you wanted to hear Londoners, maybe you should have stayed in London. Everyone understands. <laughs> Effectively turning those tables so it wasn't just like a piece of set decoration in this mm-hmm. British Scottish scene. Yes, because he could have easily been arrested, anything, because they were in Scottish Highlands, but he was still essentially a criminal to them. Mm. Yeah, so the whole scene of them, Dougal goes down to get a drink, (laughs) because that's what you need to do after dealing with some haughty English people. Especially if they won't seat you and feed you. Yeah, well, yeah, there was definitely a moment of like... Uh, Forrest Gump, you can't sit here <laughs> right. yeah. to yeah, the whole he, affair. He is not welcome, and so he, he finds somewhere more yeah. comfortable. And then, of course, as Claire is kind of like thinks, oh, all my worries are away. Like, I can get to Inverness. Everything's going to be just fine. Like Kramer busting into the apartment in Seinfeld. Jack Randall comes in, covered in dust, spilling wine. Right, which I think I think it's kind of a funny thing for Lord Thomas to accuse blackjack of being particularly dusty because uh in the way that they make up even lord thomas in this it's like they're still dirty like everyone's kind of dirty like no one is like no one has access to running water in this period of time it's english dirt it's very different dirt and let's not forget that the entire scene, especially after Dougal left, Claire has everyone in the palm of her hand. She was telling stories about her adventures and everyone was just eating into it going, we will do anything you want to get you back to your family. And then just as everything is happy and um, pops in is Black Jack. Yeah. And to his credit, I feel at this point like, Blackjack is slightly better at the job of detective than the rest of these British people because yeah. everyone else is like, oh, what a wonderful story. Anyway, let's have some more wine. And he yeah. comes in and he's like, I'm slightly skeptical and starts yeah. off what is a, a well, better he, way to start an interrogation. Well, I mean, before he even gets to that, though, he's he's he talks about how, oh, there's this private. We found him in the woods with his like hands cradled in his 
uh, like, a, like Indian style, I guess. Cradled severed. in his lap and he's tied to a tree. And his it sounds severed like a head. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, the severed the, head the, is the secret. Which, which, <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. a punchline. It proves that Jack is terrible at telling jokes. Yeah, not a very funny joke that someone <laughs> you know had his head in his lap. To him yeah. it's funny. Ha ha. Yeah. Claire kind of gets drawn into, well, Jack, I guess, draws Claire into a, a quick like political debate. Which mm. is the one thing you probably shouldn't do in like 1600s England and Scotland. Right. Uh, I believe it's the 1700s, 1700s. Don. So Claire's mor- morality with politics and her mod- modernity really is what gets her in trouble. Yeah. Because she wants to engage as a liberated woman with people who that is not even a concept. That's a good point. And she's forgetting that she's living in a different time, not in the 20th century, but she's now living when when women are not treated as having an opinion worth listening to. And compounding the fact that she's a woman voicing a strong political opinion, she's in perhaps the most partisan environment you could imagine against Scottish rights. I mean, mm. these are people who are on a weekly basis attacked killing. by Scottish rebels as they think and of killing it. them in many, in most cases. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's a very contentious place. Yeah. So, I mean, even if a woman were allowed to speak her mind, she certainly wouldn't be allowed to float yeah. the idea that the Scottish people have rights and that this is their land separate mm-hmm. from as uh, Lord Thomas puts it. I, you know, I believe the land is the King's land. Mm-hmm. So as this whole scene is kind of interrupted, of course, with, uh, you know, an amputation, Showing Claire, well, yeah, I mean, it very quickly, Claire's a, a, I don't know, private, but a red coat is brought in with a pretty grievous wound to the arm, and Claire, along with another doctor, has to perform an impromptu amputation with no anesthetic whatsoever, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is just like a weird break from the scene that we've been in, because we kind of go right back into it with Mm -hmm. uh, a flashback to Captain Mansplain uh, being shaved. While Randall himself, a blackjack Randall, is being shaved by one of his privates. Right, with the same, the very same razor mm-hmm. as it turns out, which has yeah. been in the Randall family for these centuries. Right. And I mean, this amputation thing, this this particular amputation scene is almost sort of a warm-up, it turns oh, out, yeah, for yeah. the gruesome nature of this episode as a whole. Because it's a, uh, even as amputation <laughs> scenes go, it's a relatively violent and gruesome mm. version of it it's very quick yeah. surprisingly fast and really bloody and shocking and so it kind of gets you prepared yeah. <laughs> in your gut and mind yeah. for what you're about to see yeah so and we quickly go from mm. uh blackjack being shaved by his private to him basically trying to show the private how to shave and quickly devolves into blackjack randall the demon barber of fleet street <laughs> yeah, it's it's weirdly threatening and erotic as Blackjack shaves this guy because there's like a tenderness to it, but also the possibility that Blackjack is going to cut your throat for nicking him slightly. Yeah. See through this whole thing that Blackjack is one of the few people willing to speak truth to Commander Thomas even. Like even though theoretically and on paper Lord Thomas is in charge of this place. It's obvious that Blackjack is the one running this garrison. Then we get a scene with the uh, very typical BS story French test, 
which you may recall from such fine films as Coneheads, where someone tries to call BS on someone's ability to speak French, and of course they can obviously speak French. I don't know why it's always French, but it's always French. Of course it's always French. And they try, they're like, oh, parlez-vous français? And then of course they speak French back. Because nothing defines foreign more than French. And it's the romantic language of the world. Uh, So as Claire and Randall kind of devolve into the game of cat and mouse... Uh, we get a series of like kind of like hard interviews with Randall, which as he's, you know, talking to Claire, trying to like discern the truth from her, uh, he turns into, you know, Bob Ross Randall, right. like quickly just like whipping together like a, f- which I don't believe he actually could have drawn it in the amount of time he was doing it, but like a fantastic drawing of Claire. Yeah, it's a beautiful little sketch. And I mean... It, it is fast in the TV version, but I think it gives us a real sort of depth of character to this Randall guy who we know is very brutal and mm-hmm. cruel, but also sort of unexpectedly uh, self-aware and a very good artist, it turns out. And so it makes him like really complex. It's hard to, to, to pin down because it'd be easy if he were just a cruel, grunting, you know, Neanderthal. Yeah. But he is... He's got a lot of depth. He, he's like the worst type of villain in that he's, you know, very kind of cognizant of his own horrible tendencies and has kind of full command of them. Mm-hmm. Like there is, there's very few weak, weaknesses to this kind of person. After he's done with the drawing, he says, "I have captured your likeness," and he's basically saying that he sees right through her facade, uh, calling the drawing beautiful lies. Interesting fact: Beautiful Eyes actually sold for auction at Christie's a couple of months ago for four point three million dollars. It was a record-breaking sketch. Wow! Um, so, yeah, yeah, little known. Oh, little is known this, uh, this the artist Blackjack Randall? Yeah, by yeah, the no. artist Blackjack Randall. Little <laughs> it's, known. It's from his cloth period. His, his I draw on napkins at the dinner table period. It was like a little like does not add any. Uh, any couthness to his image. Well, yeah, which is about to devolve even further as we learn the the true depths of his darkness as we flash back to him in what is probably, in all honesty, one of the most brutal scenes. And we've seen a lot of brutal scenes in the show, but one of the most brutal scenes of the show of Jamie having already been lashed 100 times with basically a back that looks like a checkerboard mm. um, getting another 100 lashes. The whip being called the cat of nine tails. Yeah, I mean, this this is sort of where we were heading from that first amputation scene with the utter yeah. brutality of it. And I mean, even, you know, I mean, the cat of nine tails is something you hear about in like pirate stories. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's a fixture of sort of this period in time. Yeah. But to actually see it used and how viscerally it destroys someone's yeah. flesh it's it's very striking yeah, and we find out randall is all about the sadism and that he considers you know ripping people's backs apart to be art and we find out this is actually bob ross randall right and it's it's not a pretty picture not only did he consider it an art but he considered it an exquisite bloody masterpiece yeah it's it's a disturbing scene all around and you get i mean Blackjack is sort of shockingly self-aware throughout this, but also kind of oblivious when he talks about, 
I meant to pace myself because administering a hundred lashes. So excited! A hundred lashes is very fatiguing to the arm. It's like, oh, really? Well, let me play the world's smallest violin for how your <laughs> arm feels as you brutally whip this person. Yeah. And the sound and the sight of the whip made his stomach flutter and his legs shake. Yeah, it's left a little unclear whether that his stomach fluttered and his legs shook in a <laughs> yeah. bad way. Yeah, no, no. Or if he was a little excited. I, about I think it. for as many like sexually charged dialogue that's there this is decidedly one of the most unsexy episodes of the show he was even talking about how his soldiers actually looked on in pity and one of them fainted and everyone then laughed and he called them blind fools the fact that he was creating art and that he couldn't understand how everyone else could not see this right and after they laugh he kind of doubles down on Mm -hmm. this thing and all i wrote in my notes at this point is jesus because it's, I wrote, it's I wrote Jack brutal. Randall pretty much a supervillain. Yeah, it's it's really rough. Uh, but you get a revelation of the, the the true nature of Blackjack at this point. You know, mm-hmm. he makes a big show in how he's talking about how his experiences in, in Scotland have shaped him to be this way. But mm-hmm. you, I feel like more that instead of shaping him, they've revealed his true nature. Yeah. And he gets to express the sadistic, twisted side of himself. Yeah, because war gives a lot of people, like certain types of people, not just a a direct reason, but an excuse to kind of play out some of their darkest things. And that's clearly not talking about all soldiers, not all people that go to war. I mean, Claire is a representation of this, that she's kind of doubled down on her inherent need to help and save people, even when they're the enemy or even when they're, it's not to her direct gain. But, but Jack Randall... Is pretty much the polar opposite and the absolute worst person you want to send into a battle because he's not just going to kill people, he's going to torture them. Yeah, Claire alludes to the good man in Blackjack still being alive somewhere deep inside. And and even Blackjack says, well, that's rather pretty to think so. You know, but it's like he doesn't think that person's yeah. still in him. He recognizes that that element of him has died and he's just a living walking yeah. ball of cruelty yeah he's I mean, not capable of goodness he's, anymore. he's a big yes. fan of simon and garfunkel <laughs> yes well yeah and that line about him and the darkness is of course after immediately after he sucker punches claire in the stomach which on every level is unnecessary yeah. it's just a, a level of cruelty beyond anything you could well no no but, but we, we kind of ramp it up immediately to the next level of cruelty where mm. he's he's not can like content just to wallow in his own like horror and like his own like sadism he wants to encourage other people to act it out even if it's like against everything in their nature as like the same private that he threatened earlier comes in and he's basically forcing him to brutally kick claire while she's on the ground yeah and it's it's like it's heartbreaking seeing this man the, the young man's face like as he's being forced to do this by someone who clearly knows how to manipulate people and people who don't have that kind of strong will it's one of those moments where you think about how you yourself would react in a a situation of being given an unconscionable order you know Mm -hmm. and how you hope that you would have the strength to resist that and do what's right and i mean in this point i'm like just just kill blackjack just like stab you've got a sword kill this guy like everyone would be better off and of course that's 
that's not how it works out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pressures on this young private that, you know, we can barely understand here. And he does end up kicking first very timidly and then harder, you know, yeah. Clara. She lays gasping on the ground and it's it's horrifying. When we were all watching it together and I looked over at your guys' faces and you both looked horrified. I knew it was coming, but I know neither of you did. And you just your reaction just broke my heart yeah there's a there's an element of sort of like good faith that you know everything has been in up until this point that clearly blackjack doesn't actually believe in you know like even as much as the cat and mouse thing is with you know lord thomas and all the soldiers and trying to get the story of what happened with claire you know like they may be vetting her a little more closely than they let on but it's like they understand that there are kind of rules in the game mm-hmm. and at this point when blackjack punches her and starts torturing her kicking her on the ground it's like we understand there are no rules and it's yeah. just it's just a, a, a reaction of yeah. wills at this point which is fortunately when Dougal, of all people kind of basically busts in the room and is like immediately going to put a stop to all this Dougal to the rescue yeah the, yay Dougal again not the person you would immediately go to for him, but at least he has like a certain code. There's to there's there's an any port in a storm kind of feeling to this, yeah. where it's like, well, he hasn't actually kicked me in my stomach while I'm lying on the ground gasping for air yet, so yeah. I'll kind of go with that. Ten, for ten the points moment. to Dougal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As Dougal uh, kind of explains that he like that blackjack can't actually do anything to him without the risk of starting a full-blown war. Dougal is able to leave with Claire with the promise that he'd have to bring Claire to a English prison before the day is through, which kind of immediately leads us to Dougal bringing Claire to a stream, like particularly hard hike to get to the stream. Yeah, weird hidden stream. Hard yeah. to get to. Beautiful, though. Yeah. Very pretty. But evidently mm. smells like the devil's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently is the, the signature of Magic Springs as Dougal asks Claire to drink from the, the water and then asks her again if she's a spy. And when she once again says she's not, Dougal is finally convinced for the first time in ages because it's a magic spring that you can't lie if you drank from it because otherwise it, it burns your, your stomach. Your I, gizzard, I believe. Your gizzard is what is affected. Yes, but also that might very just be organ. the fact that it's probably sulfur. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, uh, we do know this is something of a magical place. I mean, you know, Claire does travel back in time by a couple hundred yeah. years. and But then she does tell the truth here. She's not an English spy. She's a yeah. weird time traveler who's stuck in a bizarre scenario. So it's possible that her gizzard would have exploded if she had That's told true. a lie like, at that and point. Straight up, Dougal asked her, like, you don't believe in magic. And she really should believe in magic. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, she's very scientific and a, you know, 20th century woman with medical experience, but also a time traveler. So, you know, she puts her hands on some stones and travels back in time. So there's a balance that we have to consider. So we find out that Dougal has a plan in order to help Claire and actually prevent her from having to be reported and himself from being then hunted down by the crown. And that's to get Claire married to a Scotsman because if she's not an Englishman, she's no longer under the jurisdiction of the English. Lawyered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, courtesy of Ned here, we find out that evidently cool if Claire's, Uncle Ned. 
cool Uncle Ned who oh, likes Ned to Gallen. smoke an asthma pipe. <laughs> uh, we know that yeah. if, uh, yeah. if, if, if she's an actual Scots person, then there are, there yeah. are slightly different rules. She can't be compelled the same way. Which so. uh, Clara initially believes it's Dougal that she's intended to marry who makes one of, one of the best innuendos I have ever heard of saying, like, <laughs> oh, no. I would love to be the one grinding your corn. Uh, I think it's the idea of grinding your corn does tickle, tickle me. me. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as we found out that Claire, unfortunately, is intended instead to marry the most attractive person in Scotland. Oh, no. Huge man. Oh, no. I have to marry the most handsome man you have. Oh, no. Yeah, she seems to warm to the idea a little faster all of a sudden, <laughs> though it does take a pretty stiff drink as yeah. we finish out the episode. But as we as we finish the episode, Claire asks Jamie straight up, like, are you okay that I'm not a vir- virgin? And Jamie basically just admits, oh, well, thank God you're not, because I am, and one of us should know what they're doing. Yes. <laughs> Jamie, again, being uh, the very advanced thinker that he is, is not worried <laughs> about it at all. Yeah, so that is uh, that's the episode. This week, uh, we are drinking Spayburn Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, aged 10 years. Honestly, probably one of the more like smoky ones I believe we've had. This is probably the smokiest one we've had. I was, I was, I was intending to work our way towards a smokier thing, just for variety, because I think Meredith should try some. Uh, everyone should now listen to Meredith's reaction to trying this. Oh, god. Well, Nick and I have been drinking the Spayburn. Uh, Meredith has been drinking uh, screwdrivers. <laughs> it's not for everyone, but but Outlander is. That's our episode. Uh, thank you for listening, Meredith. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much. It was nice being here with you guys. Thank you, and we'll we'll see you again next week.